Welcome to the Near Church Podcast. This week's message starts now. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. If it's your first time here, welcome. We're so glad you're here. This is a place where we are bringing people near to God and each other. I know you can hear the issue of my mic. They are working on it this morning. Just be patient, all right? Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. The Bible says this, and then Jesus exclaimed, Father, thank you, for you are the Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth, and you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. Instead, you have shared it with these who humble themselves. So right then and there, we can understand that revelation is reserved for the humble. Revelation, I'm not talking about the book of Revelation. I'm not talking about end time teaching. It's not what I'm talking about. Revelatory word. Understanding the word. Seeing the curtain drawn back. That's all revelation means. To reveal something. It's reserved for the humble. Now, next verse. Yes, Father, your plan delights your heart as you have chosen this way. What way? Revelation knowledge. You've chosen this way to extend your, somebody say kingdom, by giving it to those who have become like trusting children. And you have entrusted me, this is Jesus speaking, with all that you are, And all that you have. No one fully and intimately knows the Son except the Father. And no one fully and intimately knows, next verse, guys, follow along, knows the Father except the Son. But the Son, catch this, is able to unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. Verse 28 Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me, I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. This is powerful, y'all. Simply join your life with mine and learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. One more verse. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. I could put this microphone down right now and we can say that we have had a life-changing word this morning, but I want to dive deep into it. Can we dive deep? I want to preach to you today on kingdom rest. Look at your neighbor, give him a high five and say, it's time for kingdom rest. Come on. Come on. Look at somebody else. Give him a high five. It's time for kingdom rest. Come on, Father, thank you for your word today. God, I pray that it would go deep in our hearts, deep in our souls, deep in our spirits, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. You may be seated, but on the way down, give one more person a high five and say, it's time for kingdom rest. It's time for kingdom rest. Kingdom rest. In the kingdom of heaven, there is a great revelation, and it's a great revelation of authority. Authority. Many in the kingdom, watch this, have settled for power, but lack authority. Somebody say authority. 
Many in the kingdom have settled for power, but lack authority. Because you can have great power, but lack the authority that is needed for that power. Can I prove it to you? You can have a sports car with the hottest engine there is. And you can go 140 miles an hour on the expressway. Come on. I've got the power of the engine. Vroom, vroom. Somebody say vroom, vroom. There you go. That was pretty good. We need to work on it a little, but that was pretty good. You can have the power of the engine, but you do not have the authority to go the speed that you're going. Now, a, a police officer can have a car with less power, but he can go the same speed, and it's within the law. Why? Because he possesses the authority. It's the difference between power, somebody say power, and authority. It's the authority of a badge. So you can have great power, power sometimes beyond the means of those even in authority. But power alone will always end up in destruction. Because power must be under the covering of authority. I remember when we went to plant near church, and, and somebody said to me, Andrew, I bet you're so glad that you don't have to be under anybody anymore. You get to just do what you want to do, do whatever you want to do. You're the pastor now, the lead pastor. You get to do whatever you want to do. I said, I'm sorry. Just because I left one place doesn't mean that I don't want to be under authority anymore. In fact, when we left and came to Bowling Green, I found more authority to come under. Because I understood in order for me to do what God has called me to do, I would have to come under more authority than ever before. I had to come under authority. And I would dare to say today that the reason that the church and the kingdom lacks revival is simple. It's a lack of apostolic authority. It's a lack of apostolic authority. Now I'm going to teach for a moment, but just stay with me. Our culture dishonors authority. And in dishonor ends up in turn disobeying it. That's why I say this all the time, and don't get mad at me. Maybe your hiney's going to get tight when I say this. Come on. Has your hiney ever got tight in church when the preacher says something you don't like? Come on. If you don't pray for President Biden, you're in sin. And if you didn't pray for President Trump, you were in sin. Why is that sin? It's dishonor to authority. When the Bible tells us that all in authority have been placed by God. Now, we don't have time to get deep into that today. And we don't like that scripture. Because you don't like the boss at your job and you talk about how they're persecuting you. When really God puts you under that person for a reason and a purpose. We lack authority because we dishonor authority. We want power, but we don't want authority. And what ends up happening is we as the church will gather together and dance and shout and get excited about our power. Did you hear what I said? We get excited about the potential of our power. 
we get crazy. People dance and go crazy because I'm about to take my Jericho walls down. Because we love to shout about power. But really all we're doing is celebrating our own potential. Uh, Because without the authority over the power, it is not going to be used to its fullest extent. So most of us lack power, but we only have potential. Why? Because the Father will not give great power to those who refuse to be under the covering of God's authority. I'm going to say it again. You should take notes. You should tweet that. Somebody Snapchat that. The Father will not give great power to those who refuse to be under the covering of God's authority. This is why secret sin is so common in the church. Secret sin is so common in the body because we love power, but we refuse God's authority. Deliverance is uncommon. Not because Abba doesn't want to break chains, but because we don't possess the authority for deliverance to happen. Oh, We must have authority. Somebody say authority. But I want to tell you today that under the authority of the Father is the safest place for you to be. Under the authority of the Father is the safest place for you to be. That's why the psalmist wrote in Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the covering, the authority, the shadow of the Almighty. Come on. It's the safest place to be. And I came to declare to you today, if we want to see the glory of the Lord in the church again, we're going to have to learn to come under his covering, under his authority. But listen, when we do, I believe we will see the greatest move of God that has ever been. Come on. And I came to tell somebody in the house today that the glory of God is coming back to his house. Healing is coming back to his house deliverance is coming back to his house restoration is coming back to his house the glory of God is coming back to the house now if you believe it give God a shout of praise right now and it's not just his house either the glory is coming to your house look at your neighbor and say the glory is about to come to your house It's coming to my house. Come on, it's going to come in my kid's bedroom. It's going to be in my living room. I'm going to walk in the glory and the presence of God all because I've come under his authority. All under his authority. Is this why in the book of 1 Samuel, the priest Eli, he was the authority. He was the power of the time. But he wasn't living under God's authority. He was disobeying it. And that's why the Ark of the Covenant, which in the Old Testament represents the literal presence of God, the glory of God, was taken from Israel. And when they heard, they they said Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. Why? Because they had power but they didn't have authority. They had power, but they didn't have authority. Are you still with me this morning? His glory is coming back to his house. 
but it will only come when we have come into God's order of authority. God's a God of order. I said, God's a God of order. That's why in verse 26 of our text today, he says, yes, Father, you've chosen this gracious plan to extend your kingdom. God has a plan. He's not doing this thing as he goes. I know some of y'all do that. I'm the same way. Pastor Faye's a planner. I'm the one that just wants to drive and just see where it takes us. That's not what he's doing. He's not saying, well, you know what, 2020, man, I didn't know COVID was going to hit. Man, COVID took me by surprise. He, he's not saying that. Because God has a plan to extend his kingdom. He has a plan to extend his kingdom in the earth. And get this this morning, as long as the church of Jesus Christ is here on the earth, the kingdom will be expanded. I don't buy into doom and gloom theology, y'all. I believe we are stepping into the best days that we have ever seen because God has a plan for his people. There is order. And so when God created everything, he did it in order. Somebody say order. Because notice in the creation story, you should read it this week and look at this. Before he ever creates a fish or the stars and animals, he sets up the needed systems and ecosystems in order for that thing to survive. He creates the sea for the fish to go in. He creates the sky for the stars to hang in. Are you with me? He creates the land. He separates it in order for the animals not to drown in the ocean, but they're going to walk on land. It's order. Somebody say order. order. And he created a garden for mankind to live in. Everything that Yahweh does is in order. So if we want to see God move in the way that we desire and pray, the power, we must first have the system and the order, the authority in place. Because catch this. If you don't take another note today, write this down. God will not bless chaos. God will not bless chaos. Let me prove it to you. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. The Bible says the earth was formless and void, empty, and darkness covered the face of the deep, the deep waters. There was chaos. Chaos. But the Bible says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Here we see the earth was formless, empty, void, darkness upon the deep. It was chaotic. How many of us in this room today are not living the life that God has for us simply because we're living in chaos? How many of us are missing out on the supernatural because we haven't come under God's authority and we're living in chaos? How many of us are missing out on the realm of rest that I've been teaching you on for the last six weeks because we simply refuse to come under God's authority and to live in our own chaos? How many miracles have we missed because we've lived in chaos? How many opportunities have we missed because God knows we can't handle blessing in a system of chaos. Did you hear me? God knows that we can't handle a blessing 
under the guise of chaos. Marriages fall apart because of chaos. Addictions happen because of chaos. Callings and destinies are aborted because of chaos. Because remember what Jesus said. He said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Life more abundantly. But we have settled for everything but abundance. We have settled for anything and everything but abundance because if it's good enough, if it's good enough, somebody say good enough. If it's good enough, we'll settle. But God didn't die and send his son for good enough. He sent him for abundance. I said he sent him for abundance. And Jesus is telling us here, that his plan is to extend his kingdom. Abundance. Somebody say abundance. But catch this. Just as God has a plan, so does your enemy. Just as God has a plan, so does your enemy. Yahweh's plan is abundance and rest and expansion. But the enemy's plan is destruction and chaos. Destruction and chaos. The thief, your enemy, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But don't worry, child of God. Because Jesus said, but I've come. I said, I've come. That you might have life and life more abundantly. And so today, even if you are living in chaos, I came to tell somebody today, there is no chaos too great that our Father cannot handle. Come on, because all he has to do, there may be darkness and voidness and all kinds of craziness, but all Abba has to do is hover over my chaos. Come on, all he has to do is hover over my chaos and it will be brought into order. Listen this morning, we need him to hover over our nation. We need him to hover over our marriages. We need him to hover over near church. I wish you'd get with me for five seconds today. We need him to hover over our churches. God, hover over me until my chaos is gone. God, I'm living in chaos. God, I'm doing what I want to do. God, come and hover over me. Give me your presence. Give me your anointing. Break the chains on my life. Hover over me until what I used to be is no longer God. God, take out the destruction and give me abundance. Come on, somebody, give him some praise right there. If you want God to hover over all of the chaos in your life. Listen, there wouldn't be an addict in this city if God would just come and hover over Bowling Green, Kentucky. Lord, come and do it. Hover over us like you did in 1900s at Azusa Street. God, come and hover over us like you did in the book of Acts. Man, come on, I feel the Holy Spirit. God, come and hover over us. We need a move of God. Come and hover over my chaos. Are you with me this morning? God has called us to live. I'm sorry I'm shouting this morning, but I told you I'm ready to preach today. God has called us to live in the system of order and authority of his kingdom. This is the place where true rest takes place. It's under the authority of the Father. 
Now, I wish I had time today to really break down Psalm 91 because it's so powerful. Because when you're under authority, you can be in rest. And the Bible says that a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't come near me. Why? I'm not living under my own authority. I'm living under his. Let's put that scripture in today's terms. Gas prices may go to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten dollars a gallon, but it won't affect me. Are you hearing me in the house? They're, they're predicting food shortages. It's all right. If God can feed Elijah with a raven, he can feed me too. Come on, somebody. There, there may be plagues in Egypt, but there's no plagues in Goshen. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't come near to me. Why? I'm under his covering and I am at rest. And then we see Jesus in verse 28. He says, are you weary? Carrying a heavy burden. Jesus is trying to show them their own chaotic ways. Now, we need to understand this morning the context of this scripture. Because I, I hate when people take one scripture and they tattoo it on themselves and it literally doesn't mean what they think it means. <laughs> like, can I just give you an example? When people quote the scripture, seek you first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Oh, yeah. When I seek God, I'm getting the Lamborghini. When I seek God, I'm getting the 12-bedroom house. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what that means. I believe God wants to bless us. I, there's nothing wrong with having stuff as long as stuff don't have you. Come on. There's nothing wrong with having the boat as long as the boat don't have you. There's nothing wrong with that. But the context of that scripture is different. It's Jesus talking about basic needs and necessities. Does the lily clothe itself? I'm going to take care of you. That's the context of that scripture. And so we must understand the context of what we're reading today. This scripture is in the context of repentance. Did you hear me? This scripture is in the context of repentance. Because just before the text that we read today, He's talking about the systems of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he tells the people around him, he says, if Sodom and Gomorrah knew what you knew, they would have repented. If they understood the revelation of authority like you are being told right now, they would have repented. Because get this. Sodom and Gomorrah weren't just cities. They were very real cities. But they are also representations of systems. Religious systems. Systems that come under their own authority. These places, these systems, were all about self-fulfillment. Their own truth. Have you heard somebody say that? Well, I'm just living by my truth. The devil is a liar. 
I'm just living my truth, Pastor Andrew. Come here, let me lay hands on you in Jesus' name. I'm not called to live my own truth. I'm called to live under the truth and the authority of one. So these places were systems. Jesus says that if these systems understood what he offered, they would have repented. So the question is this morning, what is true repentance? Is it crying at the altar? Is it repeating a prayer? Is it saying sorry every time you sin? No. Repentance simply means to change your mind. To turn in a different direction. Somebody say change your mind. If I can change my mind, I can change my system. Did you catch that? If I can change my mind, I can change my system. So Jesus shows us the need for our minds to be changed and come under another authority. That's why the Apostle Paul said that you must put on the mind of Christ. And that's why we are called his body. Notice we are not the head. Because the head is the system. Your brain tells your body everything it needs to do. It does. It's the system of your body. It's your head. It's the, it's the, the authority over your body. And so he's showing us. Where our own system has got us, because notice what it says. He says, are you weary? Weariness is a byproduct of me living in my own authority. And not only weariness, but heavy burdens. Are you weary? Carrying a heavy burden. Can I tell you today that striving has never produced anything else but more stress, more weariness, more problems, and more sin. Isn't it funny how when we try to get ourselves out of stuff, we end up in more stuff than we were before? Because you don't have the authority to break that thing off of you. Come on. Come on. Striving has never produced anything else but these issues. But then Jesus goes on and he says, but come to me. Come to me and I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. So I came to tell somebody today there is refreshing. Did you hear me in the house? I said today there is refreshing. And today there is an oasis that is promised to us in the middle of my chaos. Can you just give your whole row a high five right now and say, there's refreshing for you. Come on. There's refreshing for you. There's refreshing for you. Did you hear me in the house? There is refreshing reserved for you today, child of God. You don't have to live in chaos anymore. Is this helping you today? You don't have to live in chaos anymore. Then we go to verse 29. I wish we could spend more time on this verse right here. We will. In a couple of months, we're doing a whole series. Just wait. It's going to be awesome. Verse 29. Simply join your life with mine. Simply join your life with mine. Or another way of saying it is, bend your neck to my yoke. 
Bend your neck to my yoke. Submit to my authority. Submit to my system. The metaphor that Jesus is using is a yoke. And a yoke was to take two animals and make them one. Simply join your life with mine. So Jesus isn't just talking about work here. He's talking about union. Union. Somebody say union. He's talking about union. Union is what Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. Union is what Jesus talks about in John 15. Abide in me and I in you. Union. Somebody say union. Join your life with mine. Could it be that we are miserable Christians because we've never truly joined up with Jesus? He's just a side piece. I'm going to let that sit for a second there. Could it be that we live miserable because we've never truly come alongside into true union with him? He's just the thing we do on Sundays. And he's just the thing that we pray to when things get bad. It's not union. Child of God, you were called to union with him. Union. Somebody say union. 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 Jesus doesn't just want part of you. He wants all of you. I said he wants all of you. He wants the messed up parts of you. Did you hear me in the house? He wants the jacked up parts of you. Oh, that pastor just said jacked up. Yes, I did. He wants every single part of you. He wants the good, the bad, and the ugly. He wants every single part of you. Give your neighbor a high five and say he wants every single part of you. Every bit of you. Those terrible thoughts that you thought last night. God says, I want it. Come on. The things you did two weeks ago. God says, I want it. The argument you had in your marriage last week that almost ended in a divorce. God says, I want that. I want every single part of you because I love you. Go ahead and give him a shout of praise right there. So today, Jesus is calling us back into fully surrendered union with him. I got to hurry. I got so much to get to today. Let's go back to verse 29. So simply join your life with mine. Come into union, and then notice what it says after that. Learn my ways, and you'll discover. If you were here two weeks ago, distractions of discovery. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. I believe it will bless you. Come into union and discover. Come into union and discover. What do those who come into union discover? The discovery is something opposite of every religious experience I've ever had. Don't you love sound issues, y'all? <laughs> Hallelujah. What do they discover? Let's look at this. You'll discover 
that I am gentle. What? What? You mean the Father is gentle? I'm gentle, I'm humble, and I'm easy to please. This messed me up. I can count with no hands the amount of times I've heard a sermon where somebody said, you know what, the Father is gentle. The Father is humble, and the Father is easy to please. Because what I learned was you have to do this, 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 and this, and then he'll be pleased with you. Do you know some people in your life that are just really hard to please? Like no matter what you do, if you ever become a pastor, you will understand it's too loud. It's too quiet. It's hot. It's cold. I mean, like you can literally say everything. Sometimes people are just hard to please. It's okay. We love them anyway. That's not the father. He's easy to please. Because when we come under his authority, catch this this morning, we will discover that he is better than we ever thought possible. Oh, I about shouted in my office chair while I was typing this out. He is good, y'all. I said he is good. Somebody say he is good. He's good. And catch this this morning. He's better than you could ever be to yourself. Can we take about 30 seconds right there and praise him because of how good he is? Come on, I dare you to really praise him in this moment. If you really understood how good he is. Come on, the Lord is good. He's good. He's easy to please. He's gentle. He's humble. He is good. Somebody say he's good. As we come into union with Christ, we will see him as a gentle God. As a humble God. As an easy to please God. And as we behold him, catch this, you will find refreshment and rest. This is so good, y'all. As we behold him, we will find refreshment and rest. So, pastor, you're telling me that by simply coming under God's authority, I will see him like I've never seen him, and I will find rest. Yes. Yes. Have you ever felt like your walk with Jesus was missing something? This is it. This is it right here. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. And you will find refreshment and rest for your soul. This is the essence of the gospel. Join your life with mine and discover who I really am. And discover who I really am. 
Y'all, our city is going to experience deliverance and freedom in their lives like never before because they're going to see the Father the way he really is. Good. And they're going to receive rest for their souls because they're going to behold him for who he really is. Many don't want what he offers because they don't truly know him. They don't truly know him. Listen, I've never lost a night of sleep because I thought my father was going to come in the middle of the night and beat me. Catch that. I've never lost a night of sleep because I thought my father would come in the middle of my sleep and beat me. Why? I could rest because I knew my father. I could sleep peacefully because I knew my father's character. And some of us don't know how to rest because we don't know him. And we think that as we enter into rest, he's going to come and beat us for our sins. We keep waiting on him to come and release his wrath. But remember, child of God, Jesus took my wrath. Did you hear me? Jesus took my payment. Jesus died for my sins. He took my wrath. So get ready to shout again. I can rest today because he's that good. Listen to me today. Is he really as good as you say? Yes. That's why I don't hold back my praise. That's why I dance. That's why I shout. That's why I'm loud when I preach. That's why I preach like a crazy person. That's why I get up at 5 a.m. on Sundays. Come on. That's why I serve. That's why I give. That's why I'm generous. That's why I forgive my neighbor. That's why I come to church. Because he's really that good. Come on. He's really that good. Do you believe it in the house this morning? That he's better to you than you could have ever been to yourself? You got yourself in a mess, but he said, I'm going to come and pick you up, baby. I know where you are right now, but I'm going to pick you up and take you into rest. Man, I need an organ player up in here. Y'all pray for an organ player. Come on. You think I'm kidding. I'm being serious. Let's go to verse 30. You still with me? For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Somebody say pleasant and easy to bear. I think we got our microphone fixed. Isn't that great? Give it up for Pastor Matt, who's doing the best he can back there with a messed up situation. Come on. In his goodness, he has a purpose and a destiny for each one of us. Now, I must admit to you that I have struggled with Matthew chapter 11 and verse 30. If I'm being really honest, I thought it was a bunch of bull. <laughs> you ever thought that about a scripture before? I'm just being really transparent. Come on. As someone who's been in ministry for a long time, I thought Matthew chapter 11 and 30 was that I, obviously I was doing something wrong because I couldn't figure it out. Now, I believe the word. I believe every single dot, every cross T. I believe it all. 
but I struggled with this one because I hadn't experienced true rest. How is it that what God has for me is pleasant and easy to bear? How can what God has called me to be easy to bear? The old translation says that my yoke is easy. It's not talking about eggs, y'all. Over easy eggs. That's not what it's talking about. Some of y'all went to Denny's and said, I want a Matthew chapter 11, verse 30 egg. Some of y'all will get that later. (laughs) My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What? And honestly, when I first received this revelation of rest in January, I'll be honest, I was mad. Not at God. I was mad because I realized how much time I had spent miserable when I could have been in true rest. And I could have been actually living for Jesus and enjoying it. Instead of striving to enjoy it. You mean, Pastor, that while I've been living in the chaos of offense, I could have had peace and forgiveness? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Do you mean that while I've been living in the chaos of lust, I could have had union and fulfillment in Christ instead of what was on the computer? Yes, yes, yes. Because God has a purpose for me. But catch this. I'm almost finished. Just stay with me. How many of you will give me five more minutes? He's already on it. Thank you. God has a purpose for me. But my purpose will not drown me in stress. My purpose will point me back to rest. My purpose will keep me in his presence, not out of it. Y'all know how many pastors quit every single year? It's crazy. It's not that they're bad people. It's not that they're bad preachers. It's none of that. It's most of them have stepped out of rest. And they preach and they pour into people more than they're being poured into themselves. Am I speaking truth this morning? My purpose will not cost me my marriage. My purpose will not cost me my kids. And my purpose will not cost me my mind. For everything that I require of you is pleasant and easy to bear. Now, I heard this years ago, and it it blew my mind. How many of you have ever heard the term backsliding or backslider? That's like fiery preacher's favorite word. There's any backsliders in the room, you're going to come to the altar tonight. Come on, you know what I mean? I can do that too, (laughs) y'all. I can go Bishop Jakes real quick. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, you know. (laughs) Backsliding. Somebody say backsliding. And this was always one of those scriptures that, especially youth pastors, youth pastors love this word. You've been backsliding and sleeping with your girlfriend. You're going to come to the altar tonight. (laughs) I'm so sorry for it. 
And I believe in it. In Jeremiah 3, the Bible says, this is the Lord speaking to Israel, return to me and I'll heal your backslidings. It is a place that we can go to. And there's a lot of theological debate on if a person backslides, were they ever really saved in the first place? I'm not here to debate that today. But I heard this person talking about the true meaning of backsliding. It's not, it's not getting into an adulterous affair. It's not, it's not falling into sin, even though those are the results of it. That's not what backsliding really means. Backsliding was a term that was used for a donkey that was carrying a load. He was bearing something on his back. And the term backsliding was used when that donkey would get tired of carrying the load and would lift up his back so the load could slide off of his back. That's where the term backsliding comes from. And there's many of us in this room today and there's people watching online, I believe people that are going to be listening later, who have backslid. And I don't mean falling into sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you used to carry something for God, but you got tired. You used to have purpose and destiny on your life. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit. But you got tired. You got tired. Because you didn't know Matthew chapter 11 and verse 30. That my way is easy. And what I want to put on you is light. Catch this. If it's heavy, you put it there, not him. I said if it's heavy, you put it there and not him. Come here, Joe. Get on my back, bro. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Most of us are living this way because we took our marriages on our own back. You know why people get divorced? They took the burden themselves. And you know what? Nobody can go along with a burden like Joe Lillard on their back. <laughs> and what happens is We let go. And we backslide. And we fall out of love with God. And we give up on church. That's why people give up on Jesus, y'all. A lot of the times it's not because they want to sin. It's because they never had rest in him. And they don't know him. Thank you, Joe. And they've been trying to carry something on their back that they were never meant to carry. Oh, y'all, we could get this this morning. You were never meant to carry your own sin on your back. You were never meant to carry the shame on your own back. You were never meant to carry condemnation on your own back. Because his way is light. Come on, his way is light. 
We have taken chaos and we have lived in it with it on our backs. But I came to tell somebody today on April 10th that in this house, as I was driving from northern Kentucky on Friday night with my kids asleep in the back seat, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I'm going to deliver people from the system of chaos in the room this Sunday morning. There is deliverance in this house today. You don't have a lust problem. You have a chaos problem. You don't have a marriage problem. You have a chaos problem. But today there is deliverance in the house. And you are going to be healed of your backslidings. And you are going to find rest for your soul. Hey, listener, thanks for tuning in to the Near Church Podcast. You can give online, fill out a virtual connection card, plan your visit, and more by texting the words Near Church to 94000 or by visiting us online at www.nearchurch.co.